the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather, and my husband Donnie's here. I'm here. (laughs) I'm here, and I've been chastised. (laughs) This show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. Uh, They have a two-week detox and two-year aftercare program that's inside St. Joseph's downtown. I am the spiritual wellness director and recovery support team lead for that amazing program. If you would like more information about Matthews Hope, visit matthewshope.org or give us a call. We'll take your calls. We'll answer your questions. 844-263-4673. And you are listening to us on KPRC AM 950 Sundays at 1 p.m. if you are in the H-Town. Or you can get our um, podcast on iHeartRadio. Yeah. Just hit the download link. All of our past episodes are on the iHeart Media Radio app. It is all free. Check it out. It's weird that we're podcasters, isn't it? Two it's, idiots with a microphone. Yeah. Who did that? <laughs> Somebody, Someone screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be tendering a resignation soon. (laughs) No, this is awesome. Uh, What we do here at Relevant Recovery Radio is we try to bring you uh, information about recovery, things that we think are relevant and not outdated, and sometimes real-life stories of recovered drug addicts and alcoholics. Which brings us to today. So, hold on. I I brought in reinforcements today (laughs) um, because, you know, Donnie is just this high-bottom drunk. That's, that's right. That's never really done much. But Well, um, I mean, I did do stuff like keep a job and yeah, pay my bills. Yeah, that's just crazy talk. <laughs> and so I brought in reinforcements. I brought in another recovered heroin addict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hi, Candace. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm excited to have you on and talk about your journey into finding recovery and what it was like before recovery. Um, and you got sober in a 12-step fellowship, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and how that worked, too. I also want to talk about how cool is your husband and how awesome is he. Let's talk about that for like <laughs> an hour. Let's not talk about him. <laughs> oh. Wow. All um, right, well, shout out to Matthew. Shout out. All right. <laughs> yeah, he deserves it. Yeah. A little bit. He's a good dude. Yeah. All right. So you and I are friends, yep. and I really wanted to have you on the show to talk about your story and recovery. But let's back up a little bit and talk about um, maybe a little bit about childhood or so. Like, what were you born in Houston? Where were you born? What was your life like growing up? Yeah. So I was technically born in Green Bay. Okay. <clears throat> and it was kind of an accidental thing. Um, my mom went into labor with me after visiting my dad's parents. Um. And then we came back to Houston. And so I've been here my whole life. Okay. Yeah. I have not. No. Where are I, you from again? I'm a transplant from Oklahoma. <laughs> That's right. Um, Do you have your green card? <laughs> you don't need one. Okay. Um, and so did you have siblings growing up? I did. Was, and I was did. your life, would you say, good childhood? No. <laughs> no. No. So give us a little overview of childhood. So I grew up in an alcoholic home, Mm -hmm. um, but prior to my mom getting remarried after my dad, my dad was a severe heroin addict as well. Okay. Um, And he was really in and out. Um, And so that was kind of the first introduction into the drug world is watching him. And and I have memories as far back as four years old watching him, you know, use drugs. And so um, and then, you know, my mom remarried um, 
and the guy that she remarried was very abusive. He was a very angry drunk. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was tough growing up. Um, But I think one of the things that kind of messed me up as far as getting sober in the first place was realizing I had a problem because I didn't understand that it was a problem. Mm. It was all I knew. It was normal. Correct. It was normal mm-hmm. sized for you, for your it, life. All I knew. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and, and you had some tragedy when you were young. Yes. What did that, what did that uh, look like? My mom died um, due to malpractice when I was 11 years old. Medical malpractice? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, and I went and started living with my aunt, which was her sister, mm-hmm. who was also... Um, at the time, I, I, I call it a recovering heroin addict. She was not um, doing anything to maintain any type of sobriety. Um, but she was <clears throat> abstinent at the time. She was, she was dry. Ab- correct. She was dry. Okay. Um, and so <clears throat> so we, uh, we moved there. Um, 19 years old, uh, my sister was killed. It was a murder-suicide. Mm. Um, and, so, and after the <clears throat> chastising I took before the show, there will be no suicide right. jokes today. Thanks, Donnie. <laughs> Just I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> had a, I've had a week of chastising him. Yeah. Um, but so, okay, so your dad was gone by the time you were like four or five, mm-hmm. and then your mom passed away from medical malpractice when you were 12. 11. 11. Yep, 11. And mm-hmm. then an aunt took you in, but and then your sister passed away. Correct. How old were you? I was 19 when that happened. Now, prior to that, my aunt died from wow. cirrhosis of the liver. So she your had, aunt had passed. She had started using again. Holy cow. Okay. So you, have, you are like systematically losing everyone in your Correct. life. Correct. Correct. Tragedy after tragedy. Correct. And, and and then add a baby. I had a baby when you I was 16. You had a baby. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was, it seemed like the right thing to do. Of course. Yeah. It always does. Yeah. It seems responsible. Right. I, yeah. Well, right. I mean, you know, I did the same. That My life was like not happy. And I was like, man, if I just have a kid, I'll feel fulfilled. I'll have a purpose mm-hmm. and it'll fix everything. Mm-hmm. And, and how'd that work out? It didn't work out. I mean... I, uh, did you keep keep her around, or did you yeah, sell yeah, her? No, I mean I, I kept her. Oh, um, but I struggled <laughs> with a lot of depression, um, and I wasn't okay. I wasn't equipped to take care of a kid, and I didn't. I wasn't mature enough to understand that yet. Is that how you felt, it, oh, Candace? A- absolutely. <clears throat> Not only was I sixteen, um, I had this first baby, and then I turned eighteen and had another baby, and <laughs> yeah. then I turned twenty-one and had another baby, mm. <laughs> and I just had all these babies. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that I struggled with trying to find somebody that would stay with me. Yeah. I had oh, such wow. severe, you had lost everybody. Yeah, I had such severe abandonment issues and I just was you know, the kids will stay. Who right? raised you? Because if you if so your dad was you lost your dad before you were around. He he was not around and then you lost your mom, you lost your aunt, you lost your sister. Who raised you in me. your teen years? Me. Okay. Me. Yeah. Yeah, I had had really great parenting skills. <laughs> <laughs> Became a real big, a real winner. So that'll that'll probably uh, <clears throat> cause a real uh, lack of stability, feeling st- stable. You know, and I can see that. Like, okay, if I have a baby, the baby won't leave. Yeah, so it'll need me. This, yeah, and it'll create that sense of stability yeah. and purpose. Absolutely, absolutely, mm-hmm. because everybody else could leave, but I still had them. And so, for me, as sick as it is. It, it made sense. Oh, right. I mean, I've heard that before. Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. Even even at older ages, people always think that, you know, if I just have a baby, uh, it'll fix this X, Y, and Z scenario in my life, you know? Yeah, Heather said I can never leave because she'll find me. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. I do believe that. We're going to take a real quick break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. In studio, we have my wife, Heather, Hello. and Candice. Hello. Hello. Welcome back for another segment of Estrogen Hour. It's, it's double recovered heroin addict hour. <laughs> Uh, thanks. <laughs> Power of God. That's what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking about um, Candace's life and childhood uh, as she was growing up and lead and all the trauma and all of the loss that you experienced. When did you start using drugs? Was it from just very early age because it was always around you? So I remember now I had kids. And so even at 16, I was given pain pills to take home yep. from the hospital. Yep. And I do recall it having some effect it wasn't a great effect mm-hmm. however it there was some effect there um but my aunt had stolen them oh yeah and yeah. so i didn't get to fi- i didn't even get to finish them <laughs> and what's crazy is i was actually paralyzed after i had uh my daughter was paralyzed in my leg for eight months one of my legs oh wow um and it was due to the epidural uh, yeah. and so i i experienced a lot of pain so like paralysis like in my leg yeah oh, my wow. leg was completely gone for it eight happens. months yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was a pinched nerve from an epidural wow. so I experienced a lot of pain, and so I really needed those yeah. pills, right? Um, and I realized that she had taken them all, and I just didn't think twice about it. And then I continued to have kids, and I was kind of okay. Um, when I got pregnant with my son, I was put on bed rest at 25 weeks, mm. um, and I was in a lot of pain. He was very heavy. I This was last pregnancy. That was your third baby, yeah. Correct. And so... And nothing goes better with bed rest than a little drugs. Well, and they had me on Vicodin oh. um, for the remainder. You know, that of... is a creation, like a, a conversation starter. I talk a lot when I take Vicodin. Took. Took. Did I say take? What? <laughs> what? What? What'd you say? <laughs> but I mean, that, that's, that's it's such an excellent... What led me into chronic heroin addiction was having two surgeries and being mm-hmm. prescribed pain medication. And I think it's very important for us to talk about and kind of delineate. Because mm. for the most part, a normal person, I quote, say, quote, air quote, normal person, they can absolutely take those medications as prescribed. The doctor is mm-hmm. not in any fault for trying to treat pain. Yep. But, but I think you have two outcomes, right? Because actually you have three now. This is something we haven't really talked about. The outcome that you and we're, we're alluding to is that most people can take it when it's time to stop taking they it. They're do. just done, stop. right? Yeah. But I think you have a second outcome nowadays with these opiates. There is a, depending on how long you take it, there's a physical. Well, sure. A, a physical. But that's why to I always it, try right? to separate the difference between someone who's just got chemical dependency mm-hmm. on an opiate versus someone who's a chronic drug addict and doesn't know it until right. it's too late in hindsight. Right. Correct. And so you, I didn't know, and you didn't know no. that you were going to be a chronic no. drug addict. No clue. I, I, so I have this kid. I have baby number three, and I, and I don't take them. I, I don't take anything after that. But I'm, I'm heavily, heavily drinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, heavily. I mean, there was not a time that I was drinking. I wasn't blackout drunk. Mm-hmm. Um. And I was 22, and I had a sinus infection, mm-hmm. and so, I was. So you already had the physical allergy at that point, yeah. Like where you, when you drink, you're going to drink too much, oh, whether yeah. you want to or not. Absolutely, there's yeah. there was no, I had no choice. Yeah. And, and I don't know about just, you, did you drink or do drugs uh, in any of your pregnancies? My son, because I, my son. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I drank. I drank through most of my pregnancy. Yeah, with my son. I drank through my daughter's pregnancy. Johnny. <laughs> what? She's pregnant now. No, I mean, when, when my ex-wife was pregnant with her, I drank through that. You're so stupid. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Candace, back to you. <laughs> and so I just want to, people to kind of think of that because normal people be like, oh, oh, my God, you drank while you were pregnant. 
Wow. And I'm like, you don't understand this yeah. illness. Um, I need to feel okay, yeah. and I don't even understand that I'm not okay without it, and that I need it to function. And all there's there's all this yeah. insanity yeah. around it. It's not that we don't love our kids, right? No, it had nothing to do with that. Um, it had everything to do with by this time I had been drinking so heavily. I did not have a choice. Yeah. I no longer, I had lost the power of choice by this time. Mm-hmm. It did not matter that there was a baby growing. It did not matter. None of those things mattered. It was never that I did not care. It was the fact that I needed to fix the way that I felt. I felt yeah. so miserable. I yeah. could not bear to live in my own skin. Yeah. And you never know what's going on when it's going on. And it's not until later like you mm-hmm. you analyze the past and you go, oh, wow. Yeah. Right. Okay. And yeah. I think it's just something that Donnie and I talk about all the time and, and there's multiple past podcasts. You can go back and look at us. But what we're describing, when we're describing chronic drug addiction or chronic alcoholism, there's two symptoms that that person has that the rest of the world does not have. Number one, it's the physical allergy. When you yeah. put it in your body, you do not have control over the amount 100% of the time. And that looks like I have drink number one. And when it gets in my body, my body says, cool, I want drink number two mm-hmm. more than I wanted one. And drink three more I than drink number three two. three more than two. And it goes on and on. And so if the allergy was our only symptom we would just leave it alone right mm-hmm. i would recognize that i black out too many times mm-hmm. and i would i would learn my lesson and i would just mm-hmm. never put drugs or alcohol back in my body but the second more damaging uh, crux of the problem is something that we call the mental twist or the mental obsession it's really just this insane thinking that precedes the first drink or drug and what candace was saying is that we've lost the power of choice that's that symptom i don't have a choice about getting loaded again it's like some evil magnet sucking mm-hmm. me back every time and i don't know why I keep returning to it. I don't know why I keep putting my hand on the hot stove. And your family's like, why are you doing this? And why don't you just leave yeah. it alone? Why don't you just quit for him or whatever? And right. that's why they, they say that the real problem centers, centers in, in the mind, mind not the body. Correct. Yeah. I always equate it um, when I'm trying to help somebody. I always equate it to a peanut allergy. And they're going, what? What? And I'm like, no, yeah, really, because some people don't truly grasp what we're mm-hmm. what we're aiming at, right? right? Some people truly don't understand what that looks like. So I break it down very simply. It's a peanut allergy. You put the peanut in your body. You go into anaphylactic shock. You break out in hives. You have proof. Yeah, right? you have, you have, a have plenty of proof yeah. that shows that you cannot take peanuts Peanut's safely. Bad for me, right? Yeah, but you can't yeah. stop. You do yeah. it again and again and again, and that's where the mental obsession comes into yeah. play. It tells right. me that maybe. Maybe this time, if I take only one, yeah, one peanut, I can only maybe if have it's one. peanut butter, right? Maybe if I crush well, the peanuts and snort them, that, yes. and that's <laughs> the difference. Somebody <laughs> right, with a somebody right. with a peanut allergy is avoiding peanuts, but we are like, hmm, mm-hmm. like you just said, maybe if I crush it and snort mm-hmm. it, yeah. maybe if I put it in this, maybe we're finding a way around the allergy. The thing about chronic addiction or chronic <clears throat> alcoholism is our brain is always trying to convince us we don't have the illness, and it's always trying to find a back door, a back reason, an excuse to still put it in your body and it's insane when you look at the stack of evidence that we don't do this very well right absolutely okay so after baby three you were drinking heavily yes and i had a what was your drink oh i didn't care oh really i didn't care um but i was i was a budweiser drinker and whiskey normally yeah i was crown crown girl yeah i truly didn't care i grew up on crown yeah i I really didn't care if you had it I needed it. Yep. It didn't matter. Yeah. Um, and I typically didn't have the money for it. So whatever you had. Yeah. So oh, that worked. Yeah. 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 So um, I had a sinus infection. And by this time, 
I've left both of the kids' dads, so the girls have the same dad, son has a different dad, I've left them it was with this new guy, and he's a pill addict. Mm. And I hate this. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> never mind my drinking, right? Like, why do you why I do don't you have do a this? problem. Right. You got the you problem. You have the problem, right? <laughs> and I have this sinus infection, and it was so severe that my head was just, I mean, it was, it felt like my head was going to explode, and I'm in tears, and I'm running this high mm. fever, and he begs me to please take this pain pill. And you probably had an aversion to the pills because of your family history mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, your aunt had stolen yeah. your pills and all. Well, I want to point out, too, where we're at in the story is that not only will we have kids to try and find contentment and try and make our lives better, you guys will find new husbands. I will find mm-hmm. new oh, yes. wives all in that mm-hmm. effort to try and be content. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's another element we'll get to later is this chronic discontentment, this chronic or habitual unhappiness, even when sober, Mm -hmm. that chronic alcoholics experience. Yeah. So so I take this this pill and before I take it, I'm crying because I, I yes, I'm in pain. But there was this thing inside of me that almost knew you're going to like it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and I did. And I didn't stop taking them. Yeah. And that, that was, got that you was going. it. Yeah. That was it. That one pill is what did it. Was it an opiate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what yep. she was saying. Yeah. That's it. That's all it takes. I mean, that's what essentially killed my mom in the end, right? She was part of that whole, what was that drug? Uh, the dope sick drug? Oxycontin. Mm-hmm. She was part of that whole Oxycontin thing yeah. that just, it wouldn't let her go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's. There's always this catch-22, but for, for people that are going to be chronic drug addicts, it you can go back to this moment where this medicine that you take does something inside you that makes you okay for the first time Ooh, ever. All mm-hmm. right. All I have right, arrived. All right. <laughs> all right. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Moser. <laughs> and we got Candace in the studio. Candace and Donnie, hello. Yeah, it's just three mediocre individuals on microphones. Right, but we're uh, recovered alcoholics and drug addicts, so that's pretty cool. Sober, yeah. I think that it's awesome what God's done for us, and so we want to bring you Candace's story today. Hopefully it'll inspire you that hope and recovery really is possible. Even so far, if- I mean, listen, I didn't think very highly of Candace before <laughs> today. <laughs> But now I see what God has really done for this it's woman. It's a miracle. Like, yeah, you had a rough life. You really did. I've heard, you've talked about bits and pieces. Like, we're all friends, and, and I've heard bits and pieces, but I never really knew all of that. I didn't know that you had lost so many people and were essentially alone. In, and in a, and in you way. never had any solid model in your life, role model, of, of what adulting is. <laughs> You know what I mean? I don't either. And, and I just think that it's important to talk about. Anyways, so where were we at in your story? So you are becoming a drug addict. Right. So. Oh, yeah. The sinus so, infection. Correct. Pill. I take, yeah. So I take yeah. this pill and, and that was it. Um, and so a few years of now, this. Real quick. Do you think it was the pill or you think your body and your spiritual condition were just primed for it and it was just time? 
It was time. Yeah. Because I believe it's progressive. Yeah. yeah. I believe with everything that I have based on my experience that this is a progressive illness yeah. Yeah. without a shadow Same. of a doubt because it, it didn't stop there. It progressed even further after that one pill. Because I, I wanted to ask that because I think basically the point I wanted to get across and you guys get where I'm coming from is that it wasn't really the pill. Right. 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 Because if it wouldn't have been the pill, it would have been mm-hmm. a rail of cocaine. It would have been. It would have been whatever. Right. And on the same token, um, when I had an injury in high school and they put me on opiates i hated it It, i I didn't take them i didn't like how they made me feel they made me sleepy they did not do for me internally what it did for me at 29 30 years old because my illness had not progressed to that point yet correct Correct. yeah and so people that are listening saying oh 10 years ago i took this no problem or that doesn't mean you don't have a problem now right correct yeah right exactly and i had plenty of evidence with alcohol abuse as well to kind of back that up that Mm -hmm. it really didn't matter what it was the deal was and i and i've questioned this often the deal was I just found what I loved, yeah. right. right? Like I just landed on what I really, really loved. You and found so, your Jimmy Jam, right? <clears throat> and so for years I, I did this thing, and 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 pills in Houston, Texas are really expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I essentially lost everything, um, including my kids. Yeah. I, you know, my son was taken by his dad, and I gave my daughters away. I, I called their family member from mm-hmm. on their dad's side and said, "Hey, can you come pick these kids up? It'll just be a year." Wow, you essentially did exactly what Heather did. Yep. Heather yeah. knew, like, once she had that first shot of heroin, she's like, okay, I'm going to do this for a while. I yeah. need to go ahead I and give my kids to no their dad. I knew that I was in no position to take yeah. care right. of them, and they quickly fought for custody anyway, but I never tried to get them during that point because I wasn't stable. I didn't want them to be mm-hmm. around me when I was loaded, and I couldn't figure out how to stay sober yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and, and I had so you this... guys basically both just gave up custody. Like, right. hey, you go ahead yeah. and take them just for a bit. Them. Okay. Because I knew that I couldn't. Now, it, it didn't come easy. It wasn't something right. I was just no. like, ah, get out of here. You right. know, it was it was a very hard decision. But like yeah. you, I, I, I knew that I was not stable enough to take care of them. It shows the power of the illness. I know you both, and I know that you both love your kids more than anything on this planet. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in my mind it really just shows the power of the illness. Yeah. Right. Right. The, the illness is much stronger than any love or that you have for another human. It's, mm-hmm. it's more strong than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it more stronger? More stronger. Yeah. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Much stronger. <laughs> yeah. She's getting to realizing some things over Listen, there. Listen, I'm getting to realizing that oh, Candace is a heroin addict, Everybody too. in Oklahoma, their ears just perked. Wait, she's Wait, speaking my she's language. getting to realizing. Yeah. Right. They were just getting to realizing they might be a drug addict, too. They're going, listen. Oh, right, no. Right. So, listen, um, so it progresses quickly for you? Yep, very quickly. Um, gave, the, gave the kids away. My son, I was to, like... To their family, we should say <laughs> that. <laughs> to their family. Place the children in to safety. To their family. Um, so I sold them at Walmart. No, right, sold, no. sold them, at, yes, in the basket at Walmart. Um, so yeah, so I have their aunt take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I swear it's only going to be a year. I'm like, it's going to be a year. That's yeah. it. It's all it's going to take. A year came and went. Two years came and went. Three years came and went. Year four, I meet my husband. Mm-hmm. I hear heroin's I'm a in, hell of a drug. I'm in, well, I'm in rehab at this point. Rehab romance. Yeah. What? So I get in rehab. Isn't it, isn't it great when you meet the one in yeah. rehab? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it's the best. When um, you're at the I'm top so of your spiritual. Game. <laughs> and, and then and then it's what's not even, toxic at all. Well, what's even more funny is I met him in church. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's so great. So the rehab took us to a church, and I met him there. Mm. Um, and so I so meet my husband. So you knew the Lord sent him. God. Right. God did this. <laughs> right. Exactly. God. God definitely sent us. So you'll us get out of treatment and stay sober forever and ever. Amen. Oh. Oh, yes. Don't you know? Um, 
So no, so he's in Oxford House at the time, yeah. and, and I'm in I'm in rehab, and so I I you know go I get out and I go to, to another house, and and we're you know I'm it's going to be great, it's going to be wonderful. Well, he relapses, mm. and he was. But you had such an upstanding program that you did. Oh yeah, you were good. oh yeah, just totally fine. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I followed him right out that door, uh, and we started living in hotels. Um, but he had introduced me to heroin, mm. and I had never done heroin before. Oh, this was when you started. This is okay. when I started using heroin. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and and I was IV. You were IV. I didn't start out that way. Right. I smoked it. Okay. Uh, when I started, um, and it, amateur. Right. That was it made me extremely sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I kept using it. Yeah. You know, there's this thing that happens in an addict's brain where it's like, I will like this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick it out. It's, I will like. But people yeah. do that with alcohol too. It's the weirdest yeah. thing. You know, you're drinking poison that, that's toxic to your your organs. It causes cirrhosis. There's all sorts of things damaging mm-hmm. that drugs and alcohol do and make you sick. They can mm-hmm. make you nauseous. They make you throw up. But you got to do it anyway. It's like the it's, so it's like the throwing up in your mouth and swallowing it and taking <laughs> another drink. I've yeah. done that a million times. Oh yeah. I mean, that's oh, yeah. I can relate 100. percent But yeah, I was like, I'm gonna like this, and eventually I did. Um, but there was a time when it didn't give me the effect yeah. that I needed, yeah. and I became an IV heroin It user. says it ceases to become a luxury, and it becomes a necessity. Right. But right. here's the crazy thing to me. So I come from an upstanding suburban world being just an alcoholic, just drinking while I had a job and credit and stuff like that. You guys wouldn't know about that. But what I'm saying is this. <laughs> I have been shocked in the world of recovery at how many people that you would look at, like I would never figure you for a heroin addict. Mm. Heather, absolutely, right? You could see her <laughs> coming just, down the street. I just look like one. You know, it's crazy. <clears throat> but no, really, um, serious moment. When you look at people in the rooms, there's people of every single walk of life. There's doctors. There's lawyers. Mm-hmm. There's it's priests. Shocking. There's ministers. I every no, background. I had no idea. I truly had no idea yeah. how how many people this drug touches. Because so many people think, oh, I can't be a drug addict or an alcoholic because I still have all my things mm-hmm. or or all you know like how you were. Mm-hmm. I had a suburban home and cars and a job. I could never be an alcoholic. You know, it, I I happen to think I have a theory. I happen to think that it's harder for you guys. I happen to I think too. that, um, you know, because we can go longer. Absolutely. That's for yeah. sure. Because for us, we die quick. We're, yeah. And well, we're, you guys both essentially had, what, a five or six year run, five. give or take. I mean, of, of IV use. So, no. So mine she wasn't. wasn't mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mine wasn't that long. Mine was fast. But that's mine kind was, of the point, though, is that you guys, because you'll die in a day, whereas yeah. a, a drunk, I went till I was 41. Yeah. They before say I got that, miserable they say enough. They, uh, uh, life average lifespan of a heroin addict is seven years. And that was probably, I'll bet you that will change in the next year or two as the stats of fentanyl, fentanyl. start yes. really kicking in. I Agreed. bet they will. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. And I, I you know, I, I look back on my years of use and I think, gosh, you know, I'm pretty lucky that at the time that I was doing that, that was not a thing. Fentanyl was not a part yeah. of it. Yet. Oh, yeah. Thank God for both of you. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, because I, I did, I mean, I'd have been dead. My husband for sure would have been dead. Yeah. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, you said he didn't do drugs as well. He didn't do drugs as well as she did, meaning yeah. he couldn't hold his liquor right. in the same right. way. Right. <laughs> right. I was like, wait, I mean, wait a minute. I one, mean, one, of the worst, one of the worst addicts I've ever met in my life. But yeah. Yeah. He, um, well, he, so he introduces me um, to this drug that he's been battling for 15 years. Mm. Um, and, 
you know, there, there was real graphic stuff, but we, we became homeless. We were mm-hmm. living in hotels and then we were living on people's couches and then everybody was done with us and we became homeless. And I literally lived under a bridge and yeah. held a sign every day to support this habit. That's how that's yeah. in Houston. In Houston, yeah, yeah. off the boat. What year was that? Homeless in love. So I was in Houston. I became homeless in January of 2014. Right, and it's you know. Wait a minute. Wait. Wait wait a minute. That's only like eight years ago. Mm. Oh wow. Mm. I can't wait to hear this story of recovery. (laughs) I think that you know. It's interesting how we can find the levity and laugh around around the seriousness. <laughs> Only we would make fun of the fact that her husband does not do drugs well. Oh, he can't hold it. <laughs> or the, no, it's or okay. The, I, I make fun of it or, all the time. Or he was the worst. It was like, please don't use because people are going to find out because you, you can't say, hold it together. Did you say you would yell at him and be like, don't, you're going to ruin my high. Yes, all the time. It was the worst. Oh, God. It's People are like, oh, what a love story. No. You would make him do his no, drugs alone. he ruined my drugs. <laughs> Free time. It's not a good time. It is not a good time. But it's because of what God done in our life today and the miracle of where we are now that we can laugh at these Mm -hmm. morbid scenarios from our past because we've recovered. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We will be right back. Listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Monger. In studio, we've got Donnie, my co host, and my friend Candace telling her story of recovery from being an IV heroin addict. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you were living under a bridge in Houston. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, a family came out. Uh, We had been out there for quite some time, like very sunburned. We were (laughs) really, really bad, like leather skin. Um, And a family had come out and rescued us off the street. it, like a family that you did not know. Correct. Just some strangers Correct. took you under their wing and wanted to help you Correct. and your husband. Yeah, they moved us into their house. I bet they were Christians. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah they were. Yeah. And uh, we lived there for the first year of sobriety. And now, mind you, this is the first time I'm in sobriety. Um, and about six months in, I get my kids back. Okay. Um, they were kind of, it was a God thing. They kind of were handed to me. I had been told by every lawyer around, you'll never get these kids back. You will never see these kids again. Mm-hmm. And I got a phone call at like nine o'clock at night um, that they had been being abused by their grandmother. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, hey, come get come your kids. To- wow. And I got them. And I went through CPS appropriately and I was able to pass drug tests and I was able to do all those things. And so that was your first experience of like what God is willing to restore for Correct. you as long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and being sober. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So so I go through um, getting them back at six months and um, there's this thing that we talk about in the rooms, but they say, you know, sometimes they go back out when they get the family back too quickly. Back problems. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I didn't go back out um, right away. So what I did was I had this really large amount of fear around yeah. losing my kids again mm-hmm. and like letting them down. And that was sufficient enough at the time to have maintained that three years that I got. It bought you time. It bought me time. The book says fear will sober you for a bit. How yeah. was your internal condition in those three years? Awful. Yeah. So you were sober and internally miserable, miserable and full of fear. Miserable. And I needed to do something. So I started I started uh, cheating 
on my husband. Okay. Because mm-hmm. it was just, it was safe. Yeah. You were, you were seeking validation. You were seeking there. security. Yeah, it was safe. Donnie it, too. too. Yeah. We're like twinsies in that yeah. aspect. Yeah. It was safe. Um, I was so miserable and I needed to fix this. I needed I needed this internal condition to, to be fixed, right? But mind you, this entire time... And it's worse. If I'm out drinking and drugging, At least you can I can blame say that. I was cheating because of my condition. But Correct. when you're sober, oh. I have no excuse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like... And so, mind you, this entire time, though, I'm so miserable because I never fully understood what was wrong with me. Right. I never understood that this was not an external problem, that in fact it was internal. Mm-hmm. I never had somebody sit down and explain to me allergy obsession. I never You're had talking anybody... about in the rooms, like in a cor- 12-step program. Cor- correct. Yeah. I never had that. And I had had you know, enough time to have at least come across somebody to give me this. And, and it's possible that somebody could have said something and I just didn't hear Maybe them or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. I may yeah. not have been ready, that kind of deal. But I just never understood what was wrong and essentially i went back out how long did you go out for two years and so you came back Mm -hmm. you got sober again Mm -hmm. what year was that 2020 2020 you got a real jerk of a sponsor from what i hear (laughs) i think our sponsor sounds amazing to be honest with you i I happen to think so we'll let the audience guess who that is Yeah. Um, yeah so what is your life like today what is it? So, mm. and what was the process? How of, long do you have sober? Wait, hold on. So, you have two years in June. Little, little over a year and a half. So, yes, I'll have two years in June. So, I want everybody to remember that you were homeless in 2014 mm-hmm. and for many years, mm-hmm. right? And then, in two years, roughly, what has your life become? Thanks to God. So I have something called happiness, mm. mm-hmm. and and that's big, and it seems so so minute, but it's huge. Um, actual genuine happiness um i don't wake up angry and internally messed up anymore Mm -hmm. i'm generally happy i'm content Mm -hmm. i'm comfortable in my skin and that was a big deal right like that was a huge thing um i i never really knew where i belonged i never really knew where i fit in the family issues all the things that i experienced my whole life i never really knew so um today what it looks like is i have a reliance on god today mm-hmm. that I never had before. Um, and God repaired your marriage? Yes. Right? And your family? Yes. And my family, yes. Because that's the amazing thing for me when I look at the two of you, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, to know where you've come from yeah, and to know what God has done in your lives. You lived in a storage unit. I did. You lived out on the streets. Mm-hmm. And this was just a, this is not that Five long ago. Five and a half years ago, ago yeah. for me. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and the fact that you came into this 12-step fellowship you did a few 12 simple steps. You removed what was blocking you from, from God, which is our self-reliance. Mm-hmm. You get connected, and, and this is what God does for you. Yeah. It's Isn't amazing. that so cool? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know, I, I started a business yeah. um, a little less than a year ago, mm-hmm. um, and I, I get to do what I love. Um, what do you do? I do furniture restoration. Oh, nice. What's your, yeah. Do you have a Facebook for your plug Yeah, it's, now? it's the Rustic Bell. The Rustic Bell. The Rustic yeah, Bell. Yeah, yeah, She's actually really good. Yeah. And I can't make fun of that name, so that was a really boring thing to say, so let's just move on. Wow. <laughs> Donnie only likes to make jokes. Right. I yeah, know. That's all she but, has me on for. But that's what's so cool, because I remember when I was out there being a drug addict, I really thought we just die. Yeah, like all of us, like you just yeah. die doing this, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that there was a solution. Right. And even if, in my mind, I only thought that 
being sober was just like abstinent. And I was miserable, abstinent my whole life before. So I didn't want that either. Right. And I had no clue that if I would just work 12 steps, my internal condition changes so much that the way I function in the world is on a completely different basis. And to be clear, work 12 steps and continue Continue to to practice those steps. Right. Well, and that was the thing. That was the issue of me coming back was thinking that I was always going to be this miserable because mm-hmm. I felt so miserable for that three years. I said, I, I don't want that. I don't want that. Yeah. But I came back and it, it, I mean, my life is completely different. My perspective on life is completely different. Yeah. I have goals. I have dreams. I have aspirations. And the most beautiful part about the whole thing is I do not have the obsession to drink or use Wait a today. minute. Mm. Wait a minute. Do you have to <laughs> avoid bars and drinking scenes? <laughs> no. Or, you, or moving pictures? Wait, wait. No. Do you do you have to make sure you don't go to the area, the bridge that you used to live under and shoot dope? Do you I, have to I avoid pass, your triggers? I pass by there almost <laughs> monthly. My kid's doctor's office is right down the street. And so. Oh, We're making great. a joke of it because <laughs> yeah. once you work the steps and become recovered, you don't have to nope. um, white knuckle sobriety. Mm-hmm. I go to I go to a men's church mm-hmm. cigar smoking night every other Thursday, and the men they'll drink bourbon or they'll drink whiskey. They drink it's weird that they drink it in this short little glass and they sip not it. not out of the I, bottle. They'll bring the same bottle three four weeks in a row. I don't <laughs> or get they it. They drink it in the shooter. That's they, for sure. yeah. Just but sip right. Yeah. I don't get it. And they asked me one time like, does this bother you? And I said absolutely not. The problem's removed. Like God right. removed it. And that's what we want our audience, our listeners, anyone mm. listening. Maybe it's you uh, struggling with drugs and alcohol or, or your loved one. We want you to know that there is true freedom possible that you can work 12 steps and become f- completely free and you can't be triggered or accidentally be in the wrong place at the wrong time and, and ended up relapsed right, you know right, you right. get to have the mental obsession removed right because your husband's a bartender too he is and i go up to his bar because he's a, he works at a music venue so he has shows and all kinds of stuff and that i think was when i realized the obsession had been removed i was at a show and i I was okay. Yep. I did not. I wasn't yep. jealous. That's a thing, right? Like you the could jealousy, be jealous, right? Uh, like they can do it, and I can't. And when, if you're connected yeah. to God enough, the jealousy's removed, and you love your life enough that you wouldn't trade anything for the right. ability to drink. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how cool. You're a miracle. I'm a miracle. Mm-hmm. Donnie's a work in progress. Right. I'm, right. I'm kind of a miracle you're, a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being on the show Absolutely. today. Yeah, this thank has been really cool. fun. Thank you. Thank you for awesome. I want to quickly plug the Matthews Hope Detox and Recovery Program. We have a 10 to 14 day detox inside St. Joseph's Hospital downtown. We have two websites. One's for the foundation. One's for the detox. I'll give them to you now. If you've got a pen and paper, you can go to matthewshope.com. Org or Matthews Hope Detox and Recovery Program.com. Or you can give us a phone call, 844 263 4673. Or if you have any questions or comments about our radio show, you can give me a shout through email at hmosier at matthewshope.org. And I think there's a Facebook and Instagram coming soon. We're yes. talking about yeah, that. Yeah, we're talking about that for the so radio show. So you're either listening to us on KPRC AM 950. Sundays at 1 p.m. in the H Town, or don't forget us about a uh, forget about us on the iHeart Radio app. You can hit that little download button and listen to the show anytime you want. Listen to our past shows, and don't forget those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Hashtag God, though. <laughs>